Hello and welcome to Malavision, the podcast that gives you the vision and the voice to be heard. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to Malavision. It's the podcast that gives you the voice and the vision to be heard, allowing you to share your story in a judge-free zone, opening the conversation barriers to millions of doors. And today I am joined by Clark Reynolds, the blind braille artist. So, Clark, how are you? Tell me a bit about you. Well, I'm so busy. I I tell you what, losing my sight has made me more busy than I like. which is quite ironic, really. Um, and basically, yeah, I'm I'm from Portsmouth in England, and I always wanted to be an artist from the age of six. Unfortunately, circumstances, you know, scuppered it, a blind in one eye, um, bad kidneys, but um, and then started losing my sight uh, ten years ago, and now I'm 42, registered blind, but I am a professional international artist now. And you, um. For anybody that doesn't know, obviously you do braille art, which is slightly different. So, tell us how you do that. Well, the idea is, ironically, is um, I used to say it's explain to people how I see, and I used to say it's like looking for a thousand dots. And uh, like literally four years ago, I discovered braille, and it was like, oh, this is a, it's not about the dots, it's about the patterns. And as an artist, my brain is always geared to patterns, and then it struck me why braille be used in art form just like a typographer uses a letter just that I use a dot and for me a dot has more power because I can hold the English language within that dot so what different things have you created with braille art first of all is to make braille accessible to everyone you know everyone everyone knows about braille but it's that small dot hidden away um, almost like a metaphor for blindness in a way but the idea is when you blow it up you start to talk about sight loss, you start to talk about Braille. So I actually created a colour-coded Braille language so that everyone, sight and non-sighted, can interact with my art. You know, so I looked at colour theory, I looked at the commonality of letters appearing in words and created my own colour-coded version of a language that's been around for 150 years. But the idea is, as a sighted person, you start seeing patterns and as, a, as someone who's blind, they can actually feel my artwork. That's so important. You must touch my artwork. And they'd be able to read it. So you share the same journey, but differently. And what's your favourite piece you've created? Oh, there's so many. So Because Braille is a new way of looking at the art world. So there's new ideas all the time. Um, I did do a series called What Would Andy Warhol Say? And uh, they were large, uh, 1.2 meter square um, wood pieces, and embedded was Andy Warhol quotes. But visually, when you stood back, it was Marilyn Monroe print. So the famous print of Andy Warhol done in a way that visually it looks like Marilyn Monroe, but the idea is to give power back to a blind person. So when a blind person reads it, they'll know more than you. So that's my one of my favourite pieces. So. And how do you work out what dots are going to do what, in a way? Um, so the misconception of blindness is it's complete darkness. I mean, I am lit in a lighted room at the moment, but uh, it does feel like uh, there's no lights on. So it's about, we don't see for our eyes, we see for our brain. So I've been trained my brain to see colour, see beyond what 
my colour used to be. So, for instance, I know what a yellow looks like, but I don't perceive it now. So I'm creating new memories how I perceive colour. And the idea of working in a grid. So Braille is structured, but every piece is organic because I work in words. I'm basically a, a Braille typographer. So you type words and then those words make the picture? But basically, yeah, so I create the words. I use um, or, uh, wooden dots or wooden squares. It doesn't have to be a, a dot to be Braille, sort of that pattern. Then I spray it up and then write in Braille, you know, the pieces. And each piece, you know, what, what, what Sandy was saying, every painting t- uh, tells a thousand words. Mine literally does. So each piece tells a story. Oh, okay. So so I always thought that you did the solely Braille art, you know, like... Um on the pastor literacy website where there's where you know like you do like four five six four five and do all that to make say like a yoda i didn't realize that you incorporated painting into your artwork as well yes yeah, so, so it's not about um trying to ch- the dots to make the pattern it's about the color making the pattern so you know you have it, like pointillism basically if, if you took away certain dots in a grid you can still read the image through a visual because the brain is an amazing tool and it, it goes past the pixelation. So that's all I've done. I've just played on, on the technique of pointillism, but the idea about mark I physically touch it and read it as Braille. So there's so many layers to, to be on the visual. Amazing. And what what was it like in your childhood with art? You know, you told me that, you know, you grew up in quite an unsupportive household. So how was that? Yeah, I grew up in, in a council flat in a r- really rough um, neighbourhood, um, lots of bullying, you know, lots of drugs, alcohol. And I, I was lucky enough, my primary school took me to a gallery, A6, and which was called Aspects. And I knew then I wanted to be an artist. It was, it was, it was my saviour. It was, it was, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I didn't discover art because growing up without anything, a sketchbook, became my friend, became something that couldn't be sold, it couldn't be given away because it was mine. You know, so my solitude, my, you know, we talk about mental health, you know, back in the 80s, no one really talked about but I suppose mental health issues, you know, the sketchbook was my saviour. And unfortunately, my younger brother um, didn't choose that path. He chose the other path that was, you know, 80% of what the building, you know, tells you to do, i.e. go on to, you know, drugs and alcohol abuse and, and he died uh, five years ago in the street corner, homeless. Uh, and I truly believe if I never discovered art, I would be in that same position right now. And how does that feel? Because obviously, you know, if you didn't, you know, if you think about it, if you, you know, decided to follow your brother's path, you know, things could have changed so differently. So do you ever sometimes think, from because obviously you grew up around that, do you ever think, oh, actually, I feel like that probably would have been better? Obviously, you say that it wouldn't because you didn't want to go into that, but do you ever think that because that's where you grew up in? No, I mean, something going, I say, losing sight at a younger age, it didn't bother me, but I've always been determined to determine to break out of that, uh, that social mould. You know, I was the first person in my family to go to university. You know, and then I end up losing my sight. 
you know, anyone in the right mind, you think, my God, as, a, as an artist, to lose your sight would be the worst thing that could ever happen. And I could fall down that rabbit hole, you know, that 30 years ago I should have fallen down in. But no, my lose my sight has made me a better person and a better artist because I have something to live for. It's something, you know, I'm changing people's perception of how we see blindness in the creative industry. You know, I'm inspiring the next generation of visual children to grow up. So I hang on a minute. I'm going to be an artist just like Clark. And that is so important. And is that sort of your aim? So, you know, like your name is remembered by many? Of course, you know, I would... You know, as growing up, as a, as you know, as a child, and you see this famous artist, you know, Damien Hirst and Trace Gimmin, it's like, why can't I be? Why can't my name be mentioned with those amazing people? And it's happening. You know, a couple of years ago, a school in London who I have no affiliation with named their classes after inspirational artists, and there's a class named after me. You know, I'm the patron of a major charity. It's uh, so I'm doing something. It just you know. I, 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 I'm not going to stop, you know, I've got another 40 years of my life and those 40 years are going to be filled with lots of dots and inspiring people. What does your wife and child make of this? Oh, uh, my, my daughter, uh, she's, she's amazing. So um, she has mild cerebral palsy and uh, people think, why do I work so hard? It's because of her, really. I want to have a better life for her. Uh, at the moment, in a house that I have to carry my daughter downstairs as a blind dad and she can't access our toilet so she has to use a, a cabin waterloo kind of thing and it's not very dignified for a nine-year-old girl so I'm I, I'm trying to be famous for to change her life you know and um, she's a great artist and one of the best things she does when we go out in a wheelchair is without me telling a couple of years ago she will order describe the route she would describe the route without me telling her so she has great empathy about sight loss, which is amazing. Do you think it's important to teach your children young about the importance of disability? It is, you know, and I don't like the word disability. I, I think, you know, we talk about pronouns like these days and stuff. And I thought the word disability is such a negative word. You know, I think we're all different ability. You know, the idea is taking away the dis, you know, we become able to yeah. uh, ability. And for me, you know, my daughter's, she wants to she wants to be uh, work for NASA. She wants to go to Mars. And I say, you can do, do whatever you want to do. It's only what, you know, what society tells us that we can't do as a disabled person. You know, and that's how I feel in the creative industry. No matter what I do, people still always seem to say, oh, isn't it nice you've got a hobby? You know, even though I've studied hard, you know, I went to university to get a degree in art and I work, you know, I work 60 hours a week, you know. It's not a hobby. This is my life. And I think that's important. I think, you know, I agree with you about the different ability thing, but so many people, you know, disagree with that term. You know, so many disabled people should use a differently abled and different ability because, you know, I think there's no such word as disabled. I agree, differently abled, because why do we have to be labelled as disabled? You know, it's quite... um, it's quite degrading, really, isn't it? It is. And, you know, and what I say is I'm blind and I'm proud to be blind, but I'm not disabled. No. You know, and, and I think, you know, I, I own that blindness. You know, I own that word, but I, I'm not disabled. And that's really important. And, you know, I go to a lot of schools and I teach Braille and I, I, I talk about talk to those kids, those primary school children, about sight loss. 
and, uh, and and the idea is to break down those barriers because, like you said, it's people think blindness is is complete darkness. So if I can change a generation when they're growing up how to react around blindness, around sight loss, then you know hopefully we won't have we won't have these discussions about oh, are you disabled? You know what can you do? You know it. Hopefully in twenty years time we're just it frustrates me how when we look at it, I, the best model to look at is athletes. You know, the com, you know, the say the Paralympics, you know, we don't see them as disabled athletes. We see them as athletes in their own right because of the exposure they get. Now, if yeah. we can take that model and put that into the creative industry, you know, that's the perfect model that we should be following. So do you um so obviously you have a um white cane, yes? Yeah, yeah, I love my white cane. My white cane is my independence. So how how is it, you know, wheeling your daughter in her wheelchair with a white cane? How does that work? Oh, it's uh, so obviously when, I, when we're out, my partner does most of the, the heavy lifting, I'm afraid. But we was at Marwa yesterday, and obviously there's, there's things that are up here when I push her. And, uh, yeah, she, you know, she's told, if she says there's something in the world, she'll tell me. And uh, we have a great understanding, but... You know, I do feel that's the only thing I do get upset about is I would never see my daughter grow up as it as I won't see her as a as a beautiful young woman. I'll only see her ironically as like a six and seven year old. That's the only memory I have of her. You know, mm. as my sight decreases, that's all I see. So for me, I like I always see my daughter. You know, through conversations, and she oh she, she's a really good ling- linguist at nine years old. You know, and she reads to me. So we have you know you know when parents read to their, to their kids my daughter reads to me so we're going through the Mr Men books at the moment which is amazing and how is that I guess as a dad that's all you want to do you want to you know you want to read her a bedtime story but I think we braille you know we read so slowly like that because we have to you know we don't see the next word coming up and we have to read it with our fingers so so how does that make you feel yeah I suppose that's that's I suppose we're kind of evolving in that kind of sense. You know, we've got audio. I love my audio books. You know, I have audio books in my studio all the time. I have to have something in the background. And, you know, and someday, hopefully when we get to stage, me and Dakota will start to listen to audio books together. Like, we'll go through the Royal Dahl books or, 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 you know, all the Harry Potter books together. You know, it's, it's going to be a new way of connecting through, you know, through an audio um, but ironically, you said about that, but I am actually a character in a, a Braille book in the USA, um, uh, which is which is weird. So I wear, people don't know, I actually wear a Braille suit. So in this children's book in America, I am in my Braille suit, and it's all about inspirational people. And it's, it's for ages three to five, and it's, it's all illustrated, and the illustration is all described in Braille, and it's great, and it's all about, you know, it's, it's amazing. Who would have thought that I would have been a character in a children's book? When I, when I was told I was going blind as well. And that's amazing. And what, what's that book called for anyone that doesn't it's know? Called what I Can Be What I Can Be is Up to Me. Um, and it says by a charity in America called Thrive and Blind Academy. And every Monday I do a mentoring um, organisation where we talk about things and it's recorded and parents with blind children can hear us thriving. That's what it is. It's about, you know, we talk about, Oh God, my! You know, if you're told that your child is blind, you know, it, the parents is as much to be important as, as you know to say to their blind child that you can do anything you want. But sometimes the parent struggles, 
So they see me and she's doing amazing, and other people in the in the sight loss community doing amazing things. And they can say, hang on a minute, you can do that. So it's really important to have role models. Yeah, and that 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 uh, book title that that's really inspiring. I love, I love that. It's almost like a quote, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What I can be is up to me. Exactly. You know, I could be told we took. Talk back to when we go back to the, the flat. I could be told that I'm a nothing, you know, I should just be on benefits and you know, and and have a throwaway job. But no, no, I want to be better. You know, what I can be means it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you've got a disability or you know, or not. It, it's an important phrase for everyone. You know, you make your own life. Yeah, and I think I think it's been, you know, really amazing. You know, talking to you because you've you know opened up so much and I think we don't talk about mental health enough you know we don't talk about the stigma surrounding it you know and you know about you know drug addiction alcohol addiction you know and death and that but I think you are really defying those odds and you know changing the world's outlook on life it is you know people when they come see me and they chat to me and they and they get to know me, they do say, well, how can you be so jolly, you know, so upbeat? Well, you know, if I thought about other stuff, then if I thought about, oh, God, I'm losing my sight, or, you know, I can't see my daughter, or, or I can't do this, then then those demons would come, wouldn't they? You know, but for me, I, my art is it's more than just what I do with sticking a dot down. It, it, it helps me think, not even realising that I'm blind, because I'm doing something that I... I enjoy. Not many people can say they go to work and they're excited to go to work. You know, it's it's. I'm my own boss. I'm sitting in a comfy chair. I have my coffee, my biscuits, like any other artist would, and I'm enjoying life. And I, I'm fascinated by this prayer lot. How? So, so, so you, so you paint a picture and then you braille the words for blind people. Well, what it is, it, so you imagine literally uh, a board, right? And I've gridded the board out almost like it's like a gridded piece of uh, square paper you get in your maths book, right? And then like a composition, so I composite in words. So like an artist, you when they paint a portrait or they composite, well, you know, a tree's going to go here or that. By composition with the words. And once I've got the words that fit the, the board that I'm using, then I work out, right, so if I'm, so my colour-coded brow is easy. So the idea is I've got 26 colours, every piece is unique, and, that, and that's great. It, it literally looks like a piece of modern art. People look at those dots, and when they realise it's braille, oh, then they decode it with a key, but you can still touch it. But the imagery one, it's about almost like taking that pixelated image and then taking, a, what do I need? So if I've got, an, if I'm writing the word home, for instance, right, so I know the, where they, their home is, what colour dots need to go where. So I've just done a series of uh, Space Invaders and Pac-Man Ghosts. And visually, they look like Space Invaders, but Pac-Man Ghosts. But you'd be able to read them and they tell stories. So, for instance, the Pac-Man Ghosts tell stories about looking up, looking left, looking right, looking down, because that's what a Pac-Man does. So, you know, there's stories in it. Now, I've, got, I've done a series, which is for Qantas Gallery, which is the first major gallery that took me on in London, called Fab to Touch. Now, if you remember what a fab ice lolly looks like, all the sprinkles, that's what I've done. I've literally done a fab ice lolly, but in Braille. And it reads stories about what we're talking about now, how society treats us as a blind person. So there's good, the bad, and the ugly 
of stories of sight loss. It's it's hard to explain unless you physically see it or you've, like I say, touch my artwork. So yeah, I th- I think it's really like amazing. It's like really like it's so interesting. So my question is is so obviously you said about you know putting the dots in the squares. So obviously you don't use actual braille. So what do you use? I use, uh, obviously, because the braille is not meant to be that big, you know, it's not supposed to blow up and give it colour, but it's still between red as braille, because it's not about, when we read braille, you're not physically reading the individual dots. Possible. What you're reading is for the negative spaces. So you're, the negative spaces are causing a pattern. And when you blow up the braille, which I use two centimetre or one centimetre wooden discs, the, the physicality of it, you can read the braille of your whole hand or your finger, but you're reading what's not there. So you're finding the pattern. And that's what and that's key for reading. For any new brailler that she wants to learn braille, it's like, oh, my God, it's about all oh, those tall, small dots. It's not. It's, it's about the negative spaces, ironically. So you're feeling for what's not there to create an image in your brain of a pattern. And that's what braille is. It, it's not about individuality. It's about what those in that six three, two by three down square domino, whatever you want to call it. It's what that is creating. And I'm not sure um, if you can see colour, but can you see colour? Well, I'm losing the ability to see colour. So I have a memory. So obviously the last colour we were physically see as a blind person. And now yellow is that downward spiral. So the yellow now looks like a dirty, bogey green. Uh, but that's a memory. Like you said, we don't see with our eyes, we see with our brain. So I'm looking at the tonal differences of colour. You know, so I'm, I'm working with red at the moment. Now, you know, people see it as a bright red. Well, I don't see it. That I see it really dull because of the nature of the my eye condition, you know, retinous pigmentosa. So every day, every light condition is a new way of looking at it. So I'm training my brain to register colour through tonal differences. I think it's really amazing how we use our imagination and brain to see things. Um, and do you did you ever see yourself? Because I think seeing can also be, you know, with our thoughts, dreams and aspirations and like goals. So did you ever see yourself signing with Quinton's Art Gallery in London? Oh, never. I mean, that is a proper pinch me moment. I mean... It's it just I still have to pinch myself now because this gallery is a major gallery in London that work, that sells works from you know major people. We're talking they have Prince and Damien Hirst that they sell. They have David Schriegler art. You know it's major art, and and then you've got me, Clark Reynolds, which hopefully people will remember me as your next next Damien Hirst and your, your next David Schriegler. And I love it. I love it. I I've always wanted to be that that artist, you know, having exhibitions and selling my artwork, you know, ironically, even though the artwork's been touched, which I've heard of in the art world, you know, if you're going to a major art gallery and you've got art, there's always barriers and always saying something, do not touch the artwork. But my art is there to be touched and Qantas has embraced that, you know, touching the art and then buyers are buying it because by touching the art, it's created a story and all art is about a story. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's the most important thing, you know. Stories don't just have to be books. Stories can be, you know, all different things, you know, like your artwork. But the amazing thing about your artwork is to look at it, it's the picture. But when you read it, it's the story. 
that's it. I'm, I'm breaking down the, almost like a, a, a bridge between the visual and the tactile. You know, like I said, I am unique. I'm the only braille artist in the UK. And the only one in, I, that I know in the world that physically is exploring colour, you know, because I'm a visual artist, you know, I may be blind, but I'm a visual artist. You know, I'm, I'm working, I'm making art for everyone. You know, I'm not alienating saying, oh, I've got making art specifically for the vision impaired community. It just so happens that vision people can touch my artwork, you know. And if, if you don't know Braille, the idea of physically touching something is, is, is really cool in the art world. So have you ever um, experienced the original Braille art where, you know, you type different dots to say make Yoda or make, you know, a cupcake? Christmas tree. Yeah, the yes. Christmas tree one, then yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's how I learnt Braille through the Perkins typewriter. Um, that old machine, I love it. What a great machine. Um, I've got to get mine fixed though, because I've overused mine. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, it, it's. But they don't. They just they kind of dots, almost like perforation. So they don't. They don't mean anything. So you can have loads of L's. You can have loads of O's. But there's no story, is there? It's. It's just an image that you're feeling. Where mine. It's a story. It doesn't matter. You don't have to see the image. You don't have to see that far by slowly. The idea is if you can read Braille, right, and you go to my exhibition, you're with a sighted person. You'll have the power because even though it's a visual statement, it's a, it's a story in tactile, in Braille, and you will know more than a sighted person. And that's a juxtaposition in, in the creative industry. Yeah, and, you know, you saying that has given me so many sort of ideas of you know different ways that you could do braille art because obviously there are so many different ways to do art and it's the same with braille like you know with your art you know there are so many different areas and aspects you can go down and so many different ways you can do it isn't there there is it, it, it you know and i said i don't limit myself to a circle it's about the pattern so i i did a project at a king's theater where I used the lights in the theatre and um, where I walkie-talkie with the light director, we actually spell out words in Braille on the stage that affiliate with that place. So we spell the word music and drama, but in lights. You know, the idea, if you think of it as a typeface, you know, Braille is a type, you know, like any like Italic or Gothic or Old English, it's a typeface. So treat it as a typeface. So it could be as big as a house or, you know, but as long as you have the same pattern. So the next two spaces, so if you've got an M, you must have two and six be negative spaces. You know, if you have that in your mind, then it could be a heart, it could be a star, it could be anything you want it to be, you know, and it, and it reads as such. You know, I did a piece for the Commonwealth for the equation where the braille dots were actually the silhouettes of the king and queen. And visually, it was the Union Jack. And the story was the national anthem, but just spoken the word around. So it was like, God save the gracious queen, long live our noble king. Because obviously, we're going to make mistakes from, you know, after 70 years, you know. So it doesn't have to be a dot. But I'm, I'm so fascinated. I don't quite understand it. So, so you, so explain it. So you create the Braille art. Hmm. By wooden discs, is that correct? Wooden disc or wooden disc or wooden shapes. I stick them down in the the, the six dot pattern, 
So if I was doing M, for instance, I would stick that one on one, on three, on four, and on five. And there's your M, right? So there's no gap between the dots because it's not about the individual dots, it's about the pattern. So you'll see the pattern, which is, you know, the M, you know, is a nice pattern. And then when you're reading it, you're reading for what's not there, right? So it's, it's about physically touching it and then discover, oh, because it's raised. And then you're, you're reading it. And then, like I said, if you're using different shapes, you just follow the pattern of the Braille and you stick that shape where it is. So A is one, so you stick it on one. But all, obviously all those negative spaces, like two, three, four, five, and six, is all negative. Then you go on to another one. So it's all about having the same structure as Braille, but manipulating it to any shape. Yeah, yeah. So I guess what you mean is so you could write love, but use the shapes to make a heart. Heart. The Braille could be heart. So you can literally write the word love in Braille, but using heart. Exactly. Right, got it. Or you could sort of get the shape of, say, like a, say, like the shape of like a spider's web, and write scared. You can go literally. You can take the shape because it's it's about like I said about taking the English language and allowing the Braille dot to host that language. You know, so obviously typeface. You've got the typeface, and they can put stuff inside it. But physically, you know, we could take we could take a shape. Which is like the you know the king and queen so it's the king and queen stick them down and like if I said to you like that's the natural alphabet it's union jack and you get it you know it, you you you're taking a shape and using the words because words are so important to a blind person you know how you uh, talk to someone you know so language is key you, you're manipulating the language to create another word so you have a shape within a word yeah it, it's so fascinating I'm definitely gonna look into this you know different aspect because i oh i used to think that that there was only one type of braille art you know like what you said like the different l's and o's and p's and q's but it's quite amazing it's not just that is it no no it's not been done before because no one's thought about it it's like the idea is why for me why isn't two like braille like that's got two centimeter dots right at least on every toilet by the handle, right? Because you can you can speed read, you can speed touch. It's like when we put our hand out by a handle, we instantly know that's a, a D for disabled, U for unisex, a male or female toilet. Because uh, I'm sure you've done it, I've done it many times, gone into a wrong gender toilet, you know, because it's, you know, and it's a simple thing like that. I want to make brow universal and have it everywhere. So it's not like, oh, it's a hidden way small dot. We have it everywhere. It's part of the architecture. It's part. I call it smart braille. Like a, you know, I've got braille in the Spinnaker Tower, which is, I believe, is the highest braille in the UK. Amazing. Well, thank you, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Oh, thank you for you know talking about a, a weird art form and uh, yes, yeah, you know, it's uh, this pushing the boundaries. That's what I'm here to do. And can you just finish us off with that quote? That you um that you said earlier that was the name of the book. Oh yeah, what it could be up to me, uh, because you see, I can be an artist just like me.
Thank you so much. And that was Clark Reynolds, the blind braille artist. And if you'd like to find out any more information, then you can visit his website, www.seeingwithoutseeing.com. And if you would like to get more information on sight loss and how to get advice on sight loss, you can visit www.rnib.org.uk forward slash living dash with dash sight dash loss forward slash thank you so much you this has been malachi malavision with your co-host clark reynolds the blind braille artist thank you for listening <laughs>